Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So good. Who's ready for the Word of God? I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. Who was here a couple months ago um, when Pastor Ken Lee preached a message called Break Up With Broken? Hey, is there, are you guys over that breakup yet? Is it still painful? Well, uh, I, I have bad news, actually. I, I, I'm the bearer of bad news. Uh, today, in church, we're going to have another breakup. Oh, I know, it's sad times here. And it's just, don't, don't worry, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> actually, it's all of us. <laughs> it's all of us. In any breakup, in any breakup, you realize that there's something in the relationship that's not quite right, right? Am I right? Maybe it's a little bit toxic. Maybe, you know, the relationship is not bringing the best out of you, whatever the reason. In a breakup where there's been a close attachment, there has to be a detaching. There has to be a, a, a removal. And I believe that as a church... And as sons and daughters and as a group of disciples, the thing that God is calling us to detach from in this season, are you ready for it? It's comfort. Today I want to preach on the thought, break up with comfort. Oh, are you ready for it? I'm going to kick this forward before I trip over. That won't be comfortable <laughs> today at church. Break up with comfort. Now, as a disclaimer... This is not a message I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching it with you. It's it's not just for you. It's for me. And even if you don't need this message today, I desperately need this message today. In fact, this message is coming out of a very personal journey, what the Lord is intently and deliberately and consistently speaking to me in this season. And I'm bringing you all along, along the journey today. And I want to tell you, in my own life, it's not proving to be a very easy breakup. (laughs) It's complicated. <laughs> it's a bit messy, this breakup. And um, I tell you, it all started in me earlier this year when I read a book called The Heavenly Man. Has anyone ever read The Heavenly Man? A few of you don't read it unless you want to be rattled to your core. But it's an autobiography of a, of a guy called Brother Yun. And Yun was a leader in the underground church in China in the 80s and the 90s. And his story is absolutely amazing in terms of all that God did and all that he saw. I think the best way I can describe this book, The Heavenly Man, it's like reading a modern-day Acts, a modern-day book of Acts. So many people say, well, why don't we see the works of the books, book of Acts in this modern era? I tell you, in Yun's story, it's a modern-day book of Acts. Back in the 80s and 90s, while Chrissy Lee was at high school, rocking my Doc Martin boots in the suburb of Rolly Stone, you know, China was the setting for the modern day book of Acts. There was um, incredible persecution, imprisonments because of the gospel. There was incredible miracles and the gospel actually spread like wildfire through that time. On multiple occasions, Yun was beat within you know, to within inches of his life for the sake of the gospel. And he endured the most horrendous of conditions and they actually gave up everything 
absolutely everything for the cause of Christ. And in that, he records the most astounding miracles. They had like these Cornelius-type moments where there would be people having visions of people bringing Bibles, visions of people um, coming with the gospel. And so it would come to pass. There was like demoniac-type situations where the most vile and heinous of murderers and criminals would be saved and radically delivered by Jesus. There was these imprisonment-type moments where miraculously there was escapes from maximum security prisons and all these types of things. And that's not even to mention Yun's prayer life and this absolute reliance and dependence that he had on the Holy Spirit for everything. And the result of this sacrificial life and the sacrificial lives of the other leaders of the underground church was that they reckoned that the underground church had grown in China to about 58 million. Let's just pause on that for a moment online. 58 million. It's like about double the population of Australia, right? So many times when I was reading this book, tears would just stream down my face. It's like, God, am I even saved? I don't know you like that, God. I've never needed you like that, God. I've, I've never demand, like, required you in my life like that. I've never seen you move like that. The conclusion that I drew was, God, I am too comfortable. I am way too comfortable. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches his disciples on prayer. Some of you might be familiar with the chapter, and we don't have time to unpack it all, but Jesus is very clear that he wants his disciples to pursue God with passion and persistence. There's supposed to be a fervent fervent seeking in us. It says in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, this is the words of Jesus. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When you study that text in the Greek, those words, ask, seek and knock, they're actually in the continuous tense. So it can be better understood like this. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The whole point was that the disciples should be continuously arresting heaven's attention through repeatedly coming to God in prayer, through repeatedly coming to him, that we're singular in focus, that we're passionate in prayer. And as I was reading this, I had to be honest with myself. I don't always ask and keep on asking. I don't always seek and keep on seeking. If I'm honest, sometimes my knock is a little bit like a knock and run. <laughs> knock a couple of times and I'm off. I'm, I'm, I've left the prayer closet before Holy Spirit even has a chance to enter. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. I know in this Western context, we all struggle from time to time with a love of comfort. Instead of seeking again, we pick up our phones again. 
Instead of asking again, we just sleep in. Instead of persisting in prayer, we give up and we distract ourselves with whatever distraction. Like name your distraction, your hobby, your habit, your TV, your phone, your fun, your console, your device, whatever it might be. And it's these comforts that hold us back from the pursuit of God. Am I right? Am I right? They hold us back from hunger. We don't seek, we settle. We settle. It, we, we become content, do we not, with where we've been and what we've seen and where we're at and how much we know of Jesus and all these sorts of things. But here's the thing. Comfort is not compatible with a move of God. Comfort and a move of God, they do not go together. Ken preached an amazing word last week. What matters most? Who was here for that? What matters most, if you want, you have to listen to it. It was prophetic. It was timely. It was sharp. And, and he said that we need to align our lives, not with what matters most to us, but with what matters most to God. And he shared how what matters most to God is a lost humanity. He, he, he cares about a lost humanity. The Son of Man, the Scripture says, came to seek and save that which was lost he cares about the 99 he can't oh, sorry he cares about the one he does care about the 99 but he cares about the one more and if we're truly going to action that word from last week if we're going to be a people who are aligned with what matters most to God then I promise you we have to break up with comfort comfort is not compatible with what matters most to God God is doing something God wants to do something new. There's a broken world that is in desperate, desperate need of the Lord, but it will not be apprehended and people will not be reached through the casual and the comfortable. Will not happen. They're only going to happen through people who want it. We're only going to apprehend it if we get hungry for it, if we're prepared to get uncomfortable. I don't know what that might mean. Maybe rising early, maybe staying up late, maybe spending ourselves, maybe crossing the room, maybe sharing the gospel, sharing our testimony, asking, seeking, knocking. I don't know what that looks like. But if we actually want to see God move, we have to break up with comfort. And I don't want to preach condemnation. I don't want to come under condemnation myself. But I do want to allow Holy Spirit to challenge us. I do want to allow him to correct us if needs be so that we can align ourselves with what matters most to him. Amen? I don't want to miss it. Anyone here want to miss it? We don't want to miss it. So we have to allow the correction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come upon our lives and hearts to show us what we can see so that we don't waste our lives maybe being comfortable in the temporal but missing out on things eternal. We really need a shift into an arena that might be uncomfortable to our flesh, but arrests the attention of God's own spirit and gets to see him move. Amen. In any breakup, you get rid of those things that attach you to the old relationship, right? Delete some photos, <laughs> throw some love letters in the bin. Don't ask to see any of Ken Lee's early love letters to me because I threw them all away in 99. <laughs> we had a little breakup of our own. <laughs> they all went in the bin. 
we made it. Glory to God. We made it. We made it. We made it. <laughs> but isn't it true that there's a, there's a detaching and there's, and there's an abandoning of those old things so that we can step in to the new thing? And with the time that we've got left today, I want to look at four things. Four things that we have to walk away from if we're going to break up with comfort. Are you ready? Already, first one, discard the disappointment. Turn to your neighbor and say, discard the disappointment. Discard the disappointment in my own life. I actually experienced deep disappointment where I prayed for something so earnestly with so much passion. In this instance, I did ask and I kept on asking. But the thing that I prayed for actually didn't happen. So she was this lady in our church at the time and she was diagnosed with cancer and she became very sick very quickly. And I remember I was so full of faith for her healing. She was full of faith for her own healing and we were right there with her. And I remember visiting her one day in the intensive care unit and honestly, to my untrained eye, she did not look sick enough to be in the intensive care unit. We had a beautiful visit that day. And we laughed and we cried and we prayed and we held hands and we worshipped together. And she said things like, when I get out of here, we're going to go here and we're going to do this. And I was like, absolutely, because we, we believed. We were just so full of faith that God was going to heal her. But in actual fact... She passed away less than 24 hours after that visit. And it really rocked me. It rocked me really hard because we had faith. We, we were believing. And after her passing, I tell you, I felt so disappointed. And who knows that disappointment like that is uncomfortable. Can we just be real? Can we just call it what it is? It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It leaves us with a lot of questions. And subconsciously for a time, I stopped praying. I stopped believing for the miraculous because I preferred the comfort of not believing and therefore not being disappointed. If praying for miracles meant risking the discomfort of disappointment, then I was going to stay comfortable and not pray. And who knows that a faithless life might actually be more comfortable to our flesh, but we will never stand in the place of miracles. Amen? You, you better believe that Peter was uncomfortable when he stepped out of the boat and onto the water to walk to Jesus. So you can stay in comfort or you can stay in faith, but you can't do both. And faith is actually spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We need to discard the disappointments. Maybe you personally have had times where perhaps Jesus didn't come through the way you were expecting him to come through. He didn't heal the way you were expecting him to heal or do the thing you are expecting him to do. The disappointment is so real. It is so real. But can I say, bring it before Jesus again. Bring it before him again. Let him heal the disappointment. Let him help you navigate the mystery. 
I don't know what he will do. Maybe he will reveal to you another perspective. Maybe he will show you another side of the story or give you a fresh revelation. But I just want to say, whatever you do, don't let the disappointment keep you tethered to the so-called comfort of a faithless life. Believe again. Step out again. Trust Jesus again. Discard the disappointment. Another thing we need to do is let go of lazy. Say, let go of lazy. Remember, I'm preaching with you today. This is for me. If it's not for you, it's for me. Seriously, one of the biggest ways to break up with comfort is to just deal with the issue of laziness. I love lazy lounging. I have a hoodie. (laughs) My husband despises it. (laughs) But lazy lounging is just so comfortable. (laughs) Study... (laughs) prayer closet, seeking, interceding, reaching out, sharing my testimony, sharing the gospel. These things are all way less comfortable, am I right? Less comfortable. The Proverbs actually speaks to us quite a lot about laziness. Proverbs 13 verse 4. I'm not joking. This was my life verse for a little while. Lord really used this to deal with an area of my character. The sluggard. (laughs) Just say that word, sluggard. Sluggard. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desire of the diligent is fully satisfied. It's actually such a powerful scripture. You know, lazy people crave. Lazy people have desires for this or for that. They long for this or that, but they're actually not prepared to do what it takes to obtain the object of their desire. The scripture says it's only the diligent. They also have desires, but then they go to work to pursue those desires until the desire is manifest in the realm of reality. And it's true in our fitness, it's true in our studies, it's true in our workplace, it's also true in our spiritual walk with Jesus. Lazy Christians actually desire, they want more of God, they want to see Him move, they want to see signs and wonders and salvations and miracles. Yes, please, I'm here for it, but they would just prefer it drop down from heaven and manifest on the earth without having to do much, without me having to break up with my comfort. And I just want to say it doesn't work like that. I've realized, to my regret and shame, I've realized it doesn't work like that. We need to apply diligence to our work with the Lord, walk with the Lord. The scriptures say very clearly in Hebrews 11 that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Diligently seeking and comfort don't go hand in hand. We can have one or the other, but we cannot have both. We need to let go of lazy. I know this is hurting us today. It's hurting us. Give me a wave if it's hurting you. (laughs) Yes, I'm feeling you too. We're together today. The third point, we need to adjust our appetites. Everyone say, adjust your appetite. Adjust our appetites. So often, what keeps us tethered to comfort is our appetite for earthly things. It's the food, it's alcohol, it's our couch, it's our entertainment, it's our devices, it's shopping, it's sex, it's adrenaline, it's popularity, it's all these earthly things that comfort our flesh but do nothing for our spirit. 
that comfort our flesh, but nothing for our spirit. And what's worse, the comfort of the earthly things is keeping us apart from kingdom things. And if we're going to see God do greater things among us and and reach people through us, we need to adjust the appetite. We need to actually get hungrier for the things of the Lord than we are for the things of the flesh. Amen. Ken preached last week out of John chapter 4 about Jesus and and the Samaritan woman at the well. And and he shared that while the disciples were off getting bread in the city, while the disciples were off eating, Jesus at that point ministered to that Samaritan woman and he saw her life completely turn around for his glory. And when his disciples came back, they urged Jesus, didn't they, to eat bread. And Jesus said to them at that point, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing of. My food is actually to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus in this moment in John chapter 4 was actually giving us an insight into his appetite. He wasn't actually saying that eating physical food was wrong. Of of course not. He's just saying that within him was actually a greater appetite. Within him, he had a greater appetite, not just for the things of the flesh, but for the things of the spirit. He more than he hungered after earthly things, he hungered to do the will of his father. And if we're going to break up with comfort, we have to adjust our appetites. Is your spirit master over your flesh or is your flesh master over your spirit? Like within your life, what appetite wins the competition? (laughs) Because if we're going to enter into new realms of God, our, our spirit man has to be able to win over the life of our flesh. Let your spirit man tell your flesh who is boss. I've had to learn and I'm learning still. I have to say things to myself like, Chrissy, you will get up. Chrissy, you will open your mouth. Chrissy, you will pray. Chrissy, you will worship. You will praise the Lord right now. I have to speak to my flesh. I have to lead my own flesh. Fasting was a gift that Jesus has given you to actually help you lead your own flesh. Break the appetites of the flesh and let your spirit man be bigger so that it can actually boss, so that it can actually dominate your flesh. Whatever it takes to adjust the appetite, right? King David gives us some insight in how to do this in Psalm chapter 27. Verses 7 and 8, he says this. He says, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So we see a little glimpse here into this interaction between David's heart and David's will. He says, my heart says of you, seek his face. But just having a desire in your heart actually isn't enough. The desire of the heart has to translate into an act of the will. 
my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I will actually do it. I will actually get on my knees. I will actually pick up my Bible. This is how we adjust our appetite by channeling the desire of our heart into an action of our will. Amen? Amen? Final thought today. Adjust the appetite and forget the fear. Say, forget the fear. Forget the fear. Is this helping someone today? Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) What is it, Pastor Roland? A hug and a slap all in one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, where's the hug? (laughs) All I feel feel is the slap. (laughs) Forget the fear. Going hard after the things of God can be scary, yeah? I've discovered that when we venture out into new territory in the Lord, we next to never feel qualified. We next to never feel equipped. We next to never feel ready. And many people hate the feeling of fear so much, the fear of the unknown, the fear of man, the fear of failure that they won't step out. We prefer the comfort of inaction. We prefer the comfort of inaction. Trust me, it's way more comfortable to not speak to that person. Way more comfortable to not step up into that thing. Way more comfortable to not share your testimony. There is no competition. (laughs) If you're looking for comfortable, inaction is way more comfortable. Amen? (laughs) It is. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples to do his work in surrounding areas and he says this to them, Luke chapter 10 verse 3 and 4. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. (laughs) Do not take a purse, don't take a bag, don't take sandals, don't greet anyone on the road. Isn't that awful? (laughs) Who wants to answer a call like that? Go, I'm sending you out as lamb among wolves. Woohoo! Yeah, no. <laughs> We're not. So Jesus was essentially saying to these 72 disciples, he was saying, There's gonna be risk. There's gonna be adversaries. You're gonna have to rely on me. And who knows that if you're not prepared to break up with comfort, you're never gonna answer a call like that. If you're not prepared to forget the fear, you just won't go. You'll stay at home where it is comfortable. But I want to encourage you now, and you're like, phew. Look what it says in verse 17 of that very same chapter. This is 14 verses later. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, it says this. It says, the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You know, 72 went out and 72 came back. Yes, there was risk. Yes, there was challenge. But they experienced the divine protection of the Lord the entire time. Yes, I will send you out as lambs among wolves, but none of you will be consumed. It doesn't just say that they went out. It says that they came back and they came back with joy. Why did they come back with joy? Because they saw the work of the Lord. They saw God work in them. They saw God work through them. They saw demons 
leave people and lives transformed and they got to eat of kingdom fruit. They got to partake of the things of the kingdom but was all only possible because they broke up with their comfort and they forgot their fear. Amen? Amen. I was on a flight recently. It's good to be back on planes, right? I was on a flight recently and I'd had a big week. I was very tired coming back to Perth. I was looking forward to relaxing on that flight. You know what I'm saying? Had a movie planned that I was going to watch. Basically, I just wanted the comfort. No children, glory to God. No responsibility in that moment, just my own space. Bliss. There was a woman sitting next to me. She was about my age. She was very cool looking. She was rocking a mullet. Lots of tattoos. But she was wearing her noise-cancelling headphones and I was wearing mine. And she didn't speak to me and I did not speak to her. We are set. (laughs) And around the time of the meal, I started feeling an annoying little prompt in my spirit. Maybe I need to try and talk to this woman. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, Holy Spirit, maybe there's more than just my comfort here right now. Maybe you want to move in this moment. And I had a choice in that, in that time. Do I break up with comfort or not? Do I adjust my appetites or not? But what do I really want? Do I really want you, God, to move in her life? I don't want my movie. (laughs) Like, what do I really want? I had a choice. So, you know, the meal time gives you an opportunity to test the conversational waters, you know, like as the meals come and the drinks and the trays and everyone knows how it is, right? To my surprise, she was up for a chat (laughs) and we ended up talking nonstop from the meal all the way to when we landed. She told me all about her life and she told me all about her work and she told me how she lives with her female partner and she told me all this stuff. And she had no idea I was a church pastor because she never asked me the question until I slipped it in, all right, when we were landing. (laughs) Right when we were landing, oh, yeah, I'm actually a pastor. We lead a church and... For a split second, the atmosphere just changed. I could see her in her head rehashing everything she'd just told me and maybe all the swear words she might have just used. And It didn't matter by then because we'd built such a lovely rapport. And I just felt this prompt inside of me, offer to pray for her, offer to pray for her, offer to pray for her. And I tell you, I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm really uncomfortable, arguing back and forth in my head with Holy Spirit, feeling all the feels. What if she thinks I'm an idiot? What if she says no? What if nothing happens? Blah, blah, blah. All these thoughts, not at all comfortable. By this stage, we've actually touched down, like wheels on tarmac. And I'm like, Christina, do something. It's now or never. Now or never. So at that moment, wheels on tarmac, I'm leaning over to her going, is there anything in your life that you'd like me to pray for? She goes, oh, you could pray for my mom. And I said, oh, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? She's like, what now? (laughs) 
I'm like, yes, yes, now. And she goes, I'm not much of a praying person. I said, don't worry, I am. (laughs) And I proceeded to put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed and I wish I could encapsulate with words what happened in that moment. Holy Spirit just flooded our seats (laughs) and I could just feel his love. I could just feel his compassion. I could just feel his grace and mercy. And as I opened my mouth, like Holy Spirit took over and it was beautiful. And as I said, amen, she looked up at me and she was visibly moved. A few tears in her eyes and she said, wow, that was really nice. And I was able to say, that's just Jesus. That's just him loving you right now. And by this stage, we were standing up. We were getting bags. And, and you know when someone just wants more? She said the lamest thing to me. She goes, I hope I see you at the baggage carousel. And I said, yeah, sure. I hope I see you there too. And we did and we hugged and it was great. Uh, Look, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with that moment. And I don't know what happens next in her life. All I know is that Jesus touched her. And all I know is that she felt his power and she felt his presence. And I'm praying that that moment becomes a catalyst in her salvation moment. And my point of sharing that with all of us today is we don't get to have moments like that unless we're prepared to break up with comfort. Like we, can have, we can have comfort or we can have a move of God, but we cannot have both. We cannot have both. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.